tonight out of the book of Ephesians. And the reason I, well, I wanted to do that song, and I actually picked that out and asked my wife if she had copies of it, because my message tonight is about uh, Christ being exalted above all. Christ being exalted above all. And that's one thing we've got to learn to do as believers in Christ, as Christians, exalting the Lord Jesus Christ in every way that we can think of. So if you open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1, we're still in Ephesians chapter 1, and uh, hopefully I can finish this out tonight with you all. Uh, but in Ephesians chapter 1, well, if I can get this thing, there we go. Okay, Ephesians chapter 1, we're in the last two verses of Ephesians chapter 1. The last time we were together, we finished up about Paul's prayer for the Ephesians, and it affected us as well. So I'm just going to read uh, verses 22 and verse 23. It says, And hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going to, I need to go back to verse 20. Let's go back to verse 20. Which he wrought in Christ, that's where we left off, when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is the body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you would bind up Satan and his demons, Father, and keep them as far from us as possible tonight. Keep him outside the doors of this church, Father, and his demons, that we may not be interrupted, Father, but we would stay focused on your word tonight and that we would be able to learn and grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, Father, we want to see that Jesus is exalted. And, Father, we know in our hearts that's the last thing that the devil wants to see happen is for Jesus to be exalted. But, Father, we're going to exalt him tonight and we're going to lift him up, Father, and we're going to look into your word and we're going to grow and we're going to be drawn closer to you as a result, Father, because that is my heart's desire, Lord, that, that I'm may know him better, Father. So help us tonight, Lord, as we look into your word. Speak to us in a special way. We pray in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. <clears throat> I'll tell you, the devil's been fighting hard. I'm not going to lie. He has been fighting tooth and nail. And you know what? He's going to continue to do so. But we can't give up, and we're not going to give up. And we're going to just keep on chugging along, and uh, you know, we're not going to give in. We're going we're to stand as firm as we can. And we have to be able to do that together. And, uh, you know, tonight the Lord laid this message. I mean, he led, he led me a long time ago, I think, to go through the book of Ephesians. But uh, there's some good stuff in this entire book. And when we hit to chapter 4, we'll find out what, a, what it is to be a model church. And uh, what's, what, what, is, what, what what's God's expects from his church. And we're going to go through some of that tonight. Because one of the things that we're gathered together to do is to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. To lift him up as much as we possibly can. And I know that the, there's a lot of empty pews here tonight. But you know what? Those of us who are here are the ones who are closest to the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that with all my heart or you would not be here. So tonight I want to look at each one of these verses and, and probably a few other extra ones as well. But in expressing his prayer, we just finished up Paul's prayer back there in Ephesians, finished up there in uh, verse 19 uh, the last time we were together. But in expressing his prayer that the Ephesians might know the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe in verse 19, Paul also refers to the working of God's power in raising Jesus from the dead. Think about that kind of power. Brother Joe mentioned it a little bit this morning in Sunday school about how that, that, that you know, if, if, if Jesus was able to raise a 12-year-old girl from the dead, there's nothing he can't do. There is absolutely nothing 
that our Father cannot do for us. And we need, to, we need to take time to look at these things and lift him up in praise and in honor. Uh, and, you know, and, and after Jesus was able to do that, and God, God was able to raise Jesus from the dead as well. Think about that. He laid down his life. He died on the cross of Calvary, and then he was raised from the dead. Jesus had the power to raise himself from the dead, but his, the Father raised him up from the dead. But when Jesus died... And, and then he rose from the dead there, and, and, and Paul refers to the working of God's power in raising Jesus from the dead there in verse 20a, which it says very clearly, which he wrought in Christ, which he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Think about that. Jesus right now, folks, is in heaven at the right hand of our heavenly Father interceding on our behalf. So no matter what our church faces, whatever's ahead of us in 2024, we have nothing to fear because he's, he's there with us and he's, 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 he's there praying for us. But several passages present Christ at God's right hand. And I want to share some of those with you tonight. But the thing that I want to remember, what I want to talk about before we get to that point, that the theme tonight is worthy of Paul's discretion or a detour. Paul detours at this point in his, in his gospel to the, Ephesians, the church at Ephesians. He kind of detours and he goes off to the side and, and, and he, just, he just finished up his prayer. And after his prayer, he begins to detour because he wants the, the church at Ephesus to exalt Jesus Christ. He wants them to understand that Jesus is worthy of all praise, of all glory, of all honor, because he is, he's the one who died for us. He's all powerful. He's almighty. There's nothing that he cannot do. There is absolutely nothing. And the only reason things don't happen in our life the way we want to see them happen is because we have a lack of faith. It's a lack of faith. And you know what? We need to strengthen that faith. And the only way to strengthen that faith is to get into the Word of God. And believe what you read. When you pick up the Word of God, remember that it does not lie. There is no lie anywhere in this Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Every bit of it is truth. And we need to remember that. But several passages here. Um, and, and, you know, um, I want to get into some of those because Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And I want us to look at several passages that show us a little bit about Jesus being sitting at the right hand of God. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 19 is one of them where he said, where it says he, has, he was raised up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God in Mark chapter 16 and verse 19. So there's several passages of scripture that tell us that after Jesus was raised from the dead, he went into the presence of the heavenly father when he arose into heaven, when he ascended into heaven, leaving the disciples there looking, looking around like, what do we do now? And then the angel of the Lord appeared and said, why are you standing here gazing? Don't look up into the heavens. Get to work. Find something to do. And that's why Jesus is there interceding on our behalf. And we've got a responsibility to work for him. And you know what? One of these young men this morning came up to me after church. I think Josh was his name. And he came up to me after church. He said, he said Pastor, he said, I still want something to do. I want to help the church. Think about that. These are young men that are wanting to do things for our church. And I told him, I said, you know, Josh, give me some time to pray about it and think about it. But I said, I'll tell you one thing. Come summertime, I'll tell you what, we'll put you up to Camp Jerry. There's a lot to do up there. And I mentioned it to Darlene. She said, let Dave know. Because <laughs> there's always things to do. And these young men are wanting to serve the Lord. You know, they, they are. They're wanting to serve the Lord. Boy, if God would just send us about 100 more of those. My goodness, think about that. And these boys, they have it hard right now. But, but just think, think that there's nothing that can't be done. And there's always someone looking for something to do. But the first thing that we need to teach these young people is they're here to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. 
They need to understand that. And I believe these boys believe that. I believe they understand that. But they need to understand, too, that, uh, you know, that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father. And no matter what they're going through in school, God will get them through it. He'll give them the strength to get through it. But, there, but, but he was raised up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And in, in, in Acts chapter 2 and verse 33, the Bible tells us, Therefore, being by the right hand of God, exalted. After Jesus rose from the dead, he is exalted. He's still being exalted in heaven, folks. And there's nothing that's ever going to change that. And then and it goes on into the next, next one here. In the book of Hebrews, it's mentioned several times. If it'll work here. He sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high in Hebrews 1.3. He's sitting there at the right hand. Not the left side. He's on the right hand. Why? Because Jesus is considered the right hand of God. He's the right hand of God the Father. And you know, and, and we'll get into a little bit of the church here in a little bit. He sat on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in high in Hebrews 8.1. And after he had offered one, sacri one sacrifice, notice that one sacrifice for sin, just one time. Jesus had to be sacrificed. And if you go back to the Old Testament, you start looking at all the sacrifices that were made prior to Jesus. You can't count them all, folks. They said it would be a river of blood, an ocean of blood. If we go back and look at all of those sacrifices that took place before Jesus offered one sacrifice for sins forever. And then after that, folks, he died. He, lay, he was laid in the grave and then he was raised from the dead. And now he sits down at the right hand of God in Hebrews 10, 12. He endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down on the right hand of the throne of God in Hebrews 12, 2. Think about that. Think about what Jesus suffered. Think about what, he, what the shame that he went through and everything that he suffered. And now, because of what he went through, he's exalted on high. He's exalted to the heavenly Father on, the on his throne there. Now, where Christ sitteth at the right hand of God in Colossians 3.1. There's so many passages of Scripture, folks, that you can go through and look about Jesus being at the right hand of God. And while he's there, he's being exalted. He's lifted up. He's being worshipped. And he needs to be worshipped more by us, folks. I believe that's what's happened a lot in our churches nowadays is there's not, there's not enough exaltation of the Lord Jesus Christ. People are gathering around. It's become more of a social club than it has become anything. And that's the last thing we want to do. We want to continue having fellowships in our church, getting together, enjoying our lovely Baptist meals because we love that, I'm telling you. Ain't nothing better than getting together with a bunch of Baptists and having a good meal. But the last thing we want to do is forget to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. When it gets to the point where it, where it becomes more of a social club, it's time to stop. It's time to stop and back up and say, wait a minute, we're doing something wrong here. That's why I mentioned this morning we need to start having some better prayer meetings in our church. It's okay what we're doing on the sides here every Sunday night. That's a wonderful thing. But I'm telling you, we need to have a time to come together one night a week at least when we can come together and bow our heads in groups and pray for our, for our church, our church family, pray for the needs of those who are asking for prayer. And we need to have a strong old-fashioned prayer meeting around here that can shake the walls of our church. And I tell you, I'm looking forward to that. And I think we need to get into that, hopefully starting this Wednesday, brother. We'll start a prayer meeting in this church that's going to shake the walls. And we'll pray for our, our people in Master's Club. We'll pray for our teens out here. And we'll pray for one another because prayer is, is it's, it's vital. It's vital. And during those prayers, we need to spend that time also exalting the Lord Jesus Christ because He is the only one that is worthy of praise. 
And we, need to, we, we can never forget that because he's the one who died and he sits at the right hand of, the, of our Heavenly Father. One passage has Jesus standing on the right hand of God. And that's, that's where Stephen was, was, uh, was martyred, where he was being stoned. And, and, and Stephen looked up into the heavens and he said, I see, I see Jesus standing. standing. So, so think about that for one minute. Stephen was being stoned. The first martyr in the Bible that's mentioned, the, human, the first human that was, was martyred after the church began. And, and what did Jesus do? Rather than sitting down at the right hand of the Father, he stood up and he looked down. And I think he held out his hands and he looked at Stephen and he said, Come on up. Come on home. Come on home, Stephen. You've done your work. He had a short ministry. But you know, that's what, that's what, that's what, our, that's what our Jesus is doing right now. He's looking down at our church. He's looking at our church right now. Think about that. And those who, are, those who are not here that could have been here, shame on them because Jesus looking down right now, he's just seeing what we have here right now. Folks, I want to see our church grow. But like I've told you before, I don't want it to grow overnight because that just brings in too many problems. But at the same time, there are those who could have been here tonight that are not here. And you know, when Jesus looks down now, there's probably a tear coming down his eye. And he's probably saying, where are they? He knows where they're at. But they're not being exalted through, but through them not being here. Because the Bible's clear that we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as some is. As, as, as we see that day approaching, folks, Jesus is coming back. He's at the right hand of the Father right now, but he is coming back. That's something we can stand on. But think of that picture where Stephen's being stoned, being put to death. And he has a smile on his face while they're throwing stones at him. Cracking him in the head and busting his skull open. Blood flowing from his body. And he lays there and he looks up into heaven and he sees the face of Jesus. And he feels no pain. He feels no pain. And he sees Jesus standing there at the right hand of the Father saying, come on up. Come on up. Can you just see that? Can you picture it in your mind? That's the, that's, that's the way you need to read your Bible, folks. When you read it, you need to make it real because it is real. This word is alive. It is alive. It is real. It's, it's, it's not going to change. And if people add to it or take from it, I don't want to be in their shoes. I don't even be standing close next, next to them when they change things in the Word of God. Because this is all that we need. God gave us everything that we need. He knew what we needed and He knew when to stop giving us the things that He was giving us because we can't take no more of it. Our finite minds cannot take all of this. It's, it's hard, folks. The Bible is very strong, but I think about Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. And when you kneel down, to, down before Jesus to have your prayers, think about that. Think, think where Jesus is. Try to picture in your mind Jesus standing or sitting at the right hand of God. And when I looked at that picture of Stephen being martyred, dying for his Savior, and looking up into heaven and Jesus looking down, and he didn't, he didn't sit no more, he stood up. Just like that day when, when, when the father looks over at the son and he says, it's time. It's time. Call your children home. Call them home. And he's going to step out on that cloud. And he's going to look at old Gabriel and he's going to say, blow your trumpet. And when we hear that trumpet sound, folks, I'm telling you, that's shouting, that's shouting ground right there. Uh, man, we need to get excited about that. And we might as well get used to exalting the Lord Jesus Christ because that day is going to come throughout eternity that that's all we're going to do is worship the Lord Jesus Christ together. That's why there's got to be such unity in our church. We've got to be united as Christians, as believers in, in, at, at Abundant Life Baptist Church, exalting Jesus above all. As long as we're putting him in front of us, like I said this morning, we have to put the Lord before us in all times. And as long as we're doing that and we're exalting him, giving him the exaltation that he so deserves, he will bless us. 
I believe that with all of my heart. He will bless us. Keeps growing on me. Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And in Ephesians 1.20, implications, there's implications of Christ seated on the right hand. And a fulfillment, it's a fulfillment of prophecy. And if you go back to uh, Psalms 1, 119 verses 1 through 7, I'm going to turn back there. It talks about that. In Psalms 119, excuse me, <coughs> I probably have it written down here. 110, that's right. 110, 1 through 7. Sorry about that. Psalms 110, verses 1 through 7, where it talks about, And the Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. He said, Sit right here until I take, make your, the enemies that you have, those ones who are working in darkness trying to destroy the church of God. And they're, they're, I'm going to put them and make them your footstool, he says. The Lord shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion. Rule thou in the midst of thine enemies. Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power, in the beauties of holiness. From the womb of the morning thou hast the dew of thy youth. The Lord hath sworn and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. That's a whole new message right there about Melchizedek. That, there's a lot of confusion about who Melchizedek was because the Bible says he had no father and he had no mother. And there's a, big, there's a big controversy that's been going on for years about that. But the Lord at thy right hand shall strike through kings in the day of his wrath. He shall judge among the heathen. He shall fill the places with the dead bodies. He shall wound the heads over many countries. He shall drink of the brook of the way, uh, in the way. Therefore shall he lift up the head. And now this is talking about the Lord Jesus Christ and is prophesying of, his, of, 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 of God putting Jesus at his right hand and taking the enemies of God and putting them at his footstool. And that tells you something. The Bible talks back, clear back in the book of Genesis about how, how the head of Satan will be bruised because of Jesus when coming into this world being crucified, sitting at the right hand of the throne of God. And, and, and Christ begins his kingly reign when he sat down at the right hand of God. And he shall rule in the midst of his enemies forever. I mean, think about that. Those people who think there is no God, those people who call themselves atheists, will one day bow down before the Lord Jesus Christ, and they will call him King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and, and, and they're going, they're going to, every knee's going to bow. I don't care who they are. In heaven and earth, every knee shall bow. I mean... Do it now. Don't wait, folks. Get used to it because that's what we get saved for. We love the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to be able to bow our knee before Him. Learn to do it now. Learn to bow down now because I'm telling you, you don't want to bow down now. He'll put you down. He'll put you down. I'm telling you. He's, he, he's going to rule in the midst of His enemies at the right hand of God. He shall judge among the nations. There's not one nation in this world that He will not judge. He's going to judge every single nation. And there's nations out there that are very heathenistic. They're very pagan. And they hate God with all their might. I mean, think of those who hate the nation of Israel. I never could understand that. Even when I was a kid, I couldn't understand. Why do they hate Israel so much? Because they're God's chosen people. And the devil's doing his very best to do, his, to do everything in his power to try to destroy that nation. But I'm telling you what, right now, no weapon formed shall destroy the nation of Israel. It's not going to happen. I don't care how hard Hamas tries. They will never destroy the nation of Israel. 
As a matter of fact, some of their counteractions on that heathenistic nation, I mean, I saw a thing the other day where old Benjamin Netanyahu, river to river, he's taking it all. He's taking back what God gave them. Praise God. That's when we ought to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ, folks. Pray for the nation of Israel because Jesus is going to judge those nations that stand up against them. He shall reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. Every enemy of the Lord Jesus Christ is going to be put under his foot. They, they will be judged fully one day. As a matter of fact, they're being judged right now. As Peter indicated in his sermon at Pentecost, on the day of Pentecost, by Christ's resurrection and exaltation, he has been raised to sit on David's throne. He is a descendant of David, folks. We went through that when we went through the genealogies of Christ. I think it was on Christmas Day or Christmas Eve, whatever it was. We went through, the, through the, some of the genealogies and, and thereby, and, and therefore, truly, he is Lord above all. He is, and he is deserving to be called Lord because he is the Son of God and nothing can change that. And we've got a responsibility. We might as well get used to it now, folks, exalting the Lord Jesus Christ, lifting him up. That's what I liked about that song we just sang. He is exalted. The king is exalted on high. I will praise him. When was the last time you just took some quiet time and praised God? We, we so often come before the Lord because there's so many needs in this world. Everybody's got a prayer request. But one time, just one time this week, take a moment and don't, don't ask for anything. Just kneel down and praise him. Kneel down and just praise him. That's what we're going to do in heaven. I guarantee you those in heaven right now, they're just praising him. They don't, they don't know anything about what's going on in our lives down here. I don't think God tells them. I don't think anybody in heaven understands the things that we're going through right now in this world because they're, they're, they're saved from that right now. They're safe. They're in a safe place. They're in the presence of Almighty God. And I don't think God lets them feel the pain that we feel down here. So those that are up there right now, they're doing what we long to do, and that's to praise Him, to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't think God looks at them and says, Oh, no, looky there, they're feeling my pain. No, they don't feel my pain. My mom and dad don't know what I'm going through right now. They're too busy praising God Almighty. If you've lost a loved one, that's what they're doing if they went to heaven. They're praising Jesus right now. They're praising Him right now. they got a head start on us. But I'll tell you what, when I get there, I'm going to catch up. I'm going to catch up, and I want to start doing it now. So bow down before Him and learn to praise Him now. Don't always ask for things. He knows what you have need of even before you ask. It's okay to do that. I'm not telling you not to do that. But I'm telling you right now, just take one day, one day, and just take a few minutes and just praise Him. Whether you do it in song, whether you do it in, 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 in word and, or, or in deed, whatever. Just learn to praise Him. Just kneel down and raise your hands up to heaven because the Bible talks about lifting up holy hands. It's okay to lift up a hand and praise God, folks. It's okay to do that because I guarantee you, there's all kind of hands raised right now in heaven that, and they're bowed down before our, our Lord Jesus Christ who's at the right hand of the Father and they're giving Him exaltation because He's the only one who deserves it. He's the only one that deserves it. Christ is far above all. All are under His feet. Folks, think about that. He's far above, he is far above all principalities and powers in heavenly places. That's a reference to the angelic beings and evil spirits. There is nothing that an evil spirit can do to you or me unless God gives permission for that to happen. You go back and you think about the story of Job. When, the, when Lucifer, got, he, came before, he, came, he came with the angels into heaven. He has access back and forth, folks. The de but I'm telling you right now, the devil is not omnipresent. 
He's not almighty. He's mighty, but he is not almighty. There's only one almighty, and that's God almighty. The devil is not almighty. But I'm telling you right now, uh, Jesus has power above all of that. And nothing that they do right now. And he's going to give them a little bit leeway. I think he's got them on a short lease. And he's allowing them to destroy our world as best that they can right now. Because that just draws us close to him. Because as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. And our world is almost there. I don't think it's as bad as it could get yet. I don't think it's so bad that, 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 that the Lord's going to come back today. Although he could. I'm not saying when he can and can't. He can come back whenever he wants to. I don't know. And I will never be one to try to predict when Jesus is coming back. Other than I feel like we're almost there now. I really do. Because you can look at the signs. You can look at the signs, folks. He gave us signs. When his disciples said, when will we know? He said, well, as it is in the days of Noah. As it is in the days of Noah. And look at the signs. They're there. But people have been saying that, folks, since Jesus rose into heaven. He, since he rose into heaven you know, over 2,000 years ago, you know, Jesus said, you know, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. And it's been that way for ages. And I'm telling you right now, the world ain't half as bad right now as it was in the days of Noah. That's another message. You go back and talk about some of the things they did, the perversion that took place back then, the hatred for God, the hatred for, for God's people. And it's getting there. It's getting there. I believe that with all my heart. But remember this. Christ is far above all those principalities, all of those powers, and he has might over every one of them. They cannot touch one hair on one of God's people without God's permission. Because Lucifer went before God Almighty, and, the, and God looked at him and said, Where have you been, Lucifer? And he said, Well, I've been going to and fro on the earth. And he said, And, and God said, Have you considered my, my servant Job? And one of the first things it says in the book of Job, that Job was a just man. He was a just man. He was a man who walked with God. But, and, and, God and, and the devil said, well, I'll tell you right in one thing right now. If you turn your back on him, he'll, he'll, he'll hate you. And no, that didn't happen, did it? Though he slay me, yet will I serve him. Job did not give up, folks. So no matter what's going on in your life right now, don't give up on God. And if something bad happens in your life, it's because God allows it to happen. And hopefully that's something that will, that will put you on your knees and cause you to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. But Christ has power over all of these things. Every man, that every name that is named, this would include authorities here on earth as well. I, can, I guarantee you our president one day will bow before God Almighty and he'll call Jesus Christ Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every one of them are going to do that. Obama's going to do that. All these evil people that's tried to destroy our nation and drag down the name of God who says that, 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 that we don't need God, that we don't need the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm telling you right now, they're going to need him one day. When they stand before him, when they stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, they're not going to be able to point their finger at him and say, we don't need you. We pushed you out of our country. We didn't want you here. And these people that took, that took prayer out of our school systems, these people that took the Bible out of the school system, they're going to stand before God one day, folks. And I don't want to be standing next to them when that happens. I don't want to be standing there. But I, I, and I don't know what that day is going to be like other than the fact that they're going to stand before that, 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 judgment, that great white throne judgment when God looks down on them and he says, you tried to destroy that which was mine. And then he's going to, and they're going to say, oh, and they're going to start stuttering. I don't know what they're going to do. But I can guarantee you this. He's going to look at them and say, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. And that old death angel is going to take them and cast them off into eternity into a place called hell. And that's a scary thing. That's why we've got to remember when we walk through those doors, we're entering a mission field, folks. We're entering a mission field. And we need to make sure we take the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's part of exalting him as well. 
is taking that gospel out there and presenting him to others that others would come to know Christ as their Savior. But every name that is named, that would include authorities here on earth, not only in the, his age, but also in the age in which is to come, both in the present dispensation where we live right now, but everybody in this future that's way ahead of us, folks. I mean, this world may still be in existence a thousand years from now. I don't know. Because a thousand years is as a day to God. Because He lives in eternity. We don't live there. And it's hard for my mind to understand a thousand years. My mind can't even begin to comprehend that. A hundred years from now, there could be somebody else standing up here in this, pul- this same pulpit preaching the gospel. And, and there'll be, I, I, doubt if, I doubt if any of us will be here a hundred years from now unless God gives us the, the opportunity to do that. But I don't see that happening. I don't want to live another hundred years, to be quite frank about it. I'm longing for that day to stand before Jesus and to see Him on that throne. I can see Him now in my mind and in my heart, but I can't really picture it the way that it is, it truly is. Our finite minds cannot even begin to imagine how wonderful that day is going to be. But in the one to be un, uh, ushered in uh, at the consummation of all things, I think about that when it all comes together. Um, Christ's authority is all-inclusive, folks. He don't need our permission. We can't give him any authority. It's all-inclusive. That means he has all of the authority God the Father gave it to His Son because His Son is worthy of that. Because His Son is the one that when they met before the foundation of the world and they, God said, we're going to need a Savior. And Jesus said, I'll be that Savior. I'll be that Savior. It's all inclusive. God, God gave Him all the power. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. That's called the Trinity, folks. And they all work together in the salvation that we have today. They all work together during creation. And think about it for just a minute. We have the privilege and the opportunity to exalt our King of kings and Lord of lords. You know, the Bible says clearly that, you know, that it's better for us to obey God rather than man. It's better to obey God rather than man. And, what I, and, and the one thing I want to stress about that is I don't care what happens in this nation going forward. I'm not closing the doors of this church. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to obey the laws of the land when it comes to obeying God's word, obeying the laws. I'm going to do what God says to do. I'm not, and if I'm the only one standing up here, I'll preach to the, if I can get Brother Travis to turn the cameras on, I'll stand up here and preach to the, to the camera. So I'm going to be here, God willing, by God's grace. I'm going to stand behind this pulpit and I'm going to preach the gospel. I'm not going to go stand in no parking lot and do it just because the government tells me that's what I've got to do. They're not the authority. The Bible says to obey the laws of the land, and I'll do that to the best of my ability. But when it comes to taking us out of the church of God and tearing down the gatherings of God's people, and after what I said this morning about, you know, that we have a responsibility to gather as God's people and worship God. I don't need no government telling me what I can and cannot do behind this pulpit. I'm not going to allow that. I mean, whatever it takes, I'm going to do it the best of my ability by by God's grace only. And I don't think God wants us to shut our church doors. I, don't, I, I never agreed with that when it happened. But, you know, Christ is far above all that is under His feet. It goes on at point number two. All are under His feet. I want to continue with point number B. As Christ Himself said, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. He has all the power, folks. Think about that. You know, we got our kids nowadays looking at people like Superman, Spider-Man, and all these, these superheroes, the Incredible Hulk and all this. They have nothing. If we could just get them to see Jesus Christ... And all the power that he has, rather than all this, this, this fake stuff going on, going, on out, going on out there. As Paul described Christ, the blessed and only 
omnipotent at the King of kings and Lord of lords. He said that in 1 Timothy 6.15. And, and as Peter wrote, angels and authorities and powers having been made subject to him. Nothing is outside of the subjection of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's all powerful, folks. And we have a responsibility to, to give him that, to lift him up, to praise him, to exalt him above everything. As John wrote, the ruler over the kings of the earth in Revelation 1.5. He's the ruler of all things. People think they have a lot of power. You know, they used to say, they say that the president of the United States is the most powerful man in the world. No, he's not. No, he's not. I serve one that's a lot more powerful than him. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ and nothing is going to change that. And I don't care. They can march in the doors of our church and I'm going to keep preaching as long as God gives me breath. That's what, I'm, that's what I long and desire to do, folks. And I hope you all feel the same way about that. And if you don't, that's fine. If you're, if you're afraid of the government, that's your, that's, your, that's, your, that's your problem, not mine. But you know what? Don't be afraid of the government because they can't touch you. They can't touch you unless God allows it, unless it be God's will. But we need, to, we, need, we need to do everything in our power to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to lift him up at every opportunity that we have and never stop lifting him up because he's the one who's worthy of all of it. Christ is head over all things to the church. This is where I wanted to get to when it comes to the church. And it says that down there in, back over in the book of Ephesians. It talks about Christ being power, having the power over the church. And, and, and he, he's the head of the church, folks. We're the body of Christ. We are the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. We belong to Him. Uh, what is meant by the phrase to the church? Well, Christ exercises His authority over all things in the interest of the church. Everything that Christ does, He does it for His church. And we're part of that church here at Abundant Life Baptist Church. Uh, the, the rule of Christ is for the benefit of the church, folks. He's there to protect His church. And He did that uh, to the death. And He will do that again. He'll never going to die again. But he had, all power was given to him to help his church to grow. Help his church. And you know, that's what we're here for. We're not here to expand the kingdom of God in heaven. We're here to see his church grow, to develop the church of God. And that's what we want to do here at Abundant Life Baptist Church. Um, because Jesus is Lord. All things work together for our good, but to his benefit. But to our, but to our good and, and our benefit, but for the glory of of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's found in Romans 8, 28. This is not to say that Christ will prevent hardships. It's going to happen, folks. We're going to go through difficult times. This church down through the, the last 48 plus years has been through a lot. It's been through a lot. They, 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 there's been splits in the church. There have been people leave the church. There's people try to destroy this church. But you know what? It's still here. We're going to go through persecution and there's even going to be death in our lives. We're going to die. Every one of us in this room is going to eventually die if the Lord don't come back and call us up into, into glory uh, because during the, the, the rapture of the church. But until then, there's going to be death. There's going to be death. He didn't promise that we wouldn't die other than we'll live eternally with Him in heaven. But through Christ, all such things can be used to our benefit and ultimate, ultimately to His glory. That's what it's all about. We're here to give Christ Jesus the glory for everything we do. Whether you're working back here with the teens, whether you're teaching Sunday school, whether, no matter what you're doing in, through the church, it's all to be done through the church, folks. And people that go out here outside the walls of the church and they're not doing it through the name of the church and they try to start these ministries of their own outside of their, their church because they want the glory. The glory needs to go to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ that universal church of God that we're all a part of who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I choose to be a Baptist. 
because I believe the Baptist teaching is the best teaching that there is out there. I'm not a Methodist. I'm not a, a free will Baptist because they don't believe in eternal security. I chose to, I, I, I was born and raised in the fundamental, independent fundamental Baptist movement. But I, I, I could have made a choice when I got older to, to turn against that and to go to something else. But I chose to stay in this because I believe what they teach is as close as anything that you're ever going to find anywhere. I don't think you'll find better teaching that you're going to find in the, Baptist, in, in the independent fundamental Baptist. But it's all through Christ. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him. Through who? Through the Lord Jesus Christ. There's nothing that can come our way that we, can't, we cannot overcome in the name of Jesus Christ. Because that name is exalted above all things. Number one, the world or life or death are, are, are yours in 1 Corinthians. That all belongs to Jesus Christ. Even the sufferings brought on by Satan can be used to, for God's perfection in our life. No matter what the devil throws at you, God can take it and turn it around for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about that. It can all, as long as we give him the glory for all things, he can see us through, any, through whatever comes our way. But the church itself... It belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. So what is the church that it should be so blessed? What is it that is so blessed? Why has God kept the church going ever since Jesus was raised into the into heavens and then the day of Pentecost came along and the church was born after that? What, what is it that's kept it going on for over 2,000 years? It's the love that people have for Jesus Christ. Fall in love with him, folks. He fell in love with you before you were even born. Way before you were even born. It's, it's his body. It's his body, the body of Christ. In Ephesians 1.23, it talks about that. If you look in verse 23 of Ephesians, it says, Which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. We are the body of Christ to this world that is wicked and evil, where people are dying every day and going to a place called hell. And as the body of Christ, we've got a responsibility. And our responsibility is to point everything to the head. It's, we, we, are, we, we belong to Christ. I mean, do you understand what I'm saying? The, the church is the body of Christ. It's a spiritual kind of a, a, a application, but, but Christ being the head. If you take my head off right now, my body's going to fall to the ground. It's going to die. You cut my head off, I'm going to die. Jesus is the head of the body. And that's why we got to keep that, that, that relationship with him so close and we've got to exalt him in every way that we possibly can. Because without the, 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 the Jesus is the brain of the church. Think about that. He's the we are the body. He's the head over all of that. We're under, his, we're under his rule. My mind is what tells my hand to go left or right. My mind is what tells my feet to step and move. Jesus should be the one that is telling us as a church which way to go, what to do, and how to do it. Because he's the head. He's the head of this. Um, as, as such, Christ loves it and gave himself for it. He died for this church, folks. He died for that church that started on the day of Pentecost. And it's still going on today. It's still going on today. And we got a responsibility to continue to grow this body, this body of believers. So are, are we doing our part? Are we doing everything that we possibly can? Is there more that we can do? I think there is. I think there's a lot more we can do. I think there's a ton of stuff we can be doing. And we need to take a close look at what we're doing now and see what's working, see what's not working. If it's not working, why do it? If it's not, doing, if it's not, if it's not furthering the body of Christ here on earth, then let's take a look at what, we're, what we can do to further that body, to cause that body to grow even bigger. Do your part, folks. 
I told you before, if you're breathing, God's got something for you to do. I got young men coming to me and saying, hey, what can I do? I want to help the church. I want to do something. I'm racking my brain trying to figure out what to do. So first thing I said, well, come summer, brother. Camp Jerry! <laughs> Camp Jerry! <laughs> brother Bill, if you're watching, you can hear me. Camp Jerry! <laughs> brother Bill loves Camp Jerry, folks. He loves Camp Jerry. He loves our teens. He loves our master clubs. He loves our kids. Folks, let's fall in love with our kids as well. I try to bring them up here every Sunday morning because I want to pray over those children and their teachers. But I guess one of the things that, 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 that I wonder about if there's no kids here tonight. Where's our teachers? Where's our teachers at? If, if, kids, if people are involved with our children teaching them the Word of God, they need to be fed themselves. If someone's not being fed, then maybe they're not in the right position. Maybe they're not in the right position. I worry when people don't come into our services because the doors are open. I want our people, to, when they go before these children, they have got to be taught themselves before they go there. they got to be taught themselves. And when people don't come into the service, it worries me. It worries me. Because I don't know what their walk is like with Christ. We've got to make sure that we put people in positions to further the body of Christ, to cause the body of Christ to grow, that these people are grounded in the Word of God. So those are some of the things we need to take a close look at. Because we are the body of Christ. Christ died. He died for this body. And we're part of that body. Whether you're a, a finger, a pinky, whether we're just a pinky, whether we're a toenail or whatever our, our place is in the body of Christ, it's still a huge responsibility. And I'm telling you right now, if you get an ingrown toenail, your whole body hurts. And I don't want to be an ingrown to toenail in the body of Christ. I mean, that might sound kind of dumb and crazy, but you think about it. I don't want to be a wild hare. I don't, want to do, I don't want our church to be that way. I want our church to be a church that exalts the Lord Jesus Christ. And that everything that we do, everybody that's involved in something, loves the Lord Jesus Christ with all of their heart. And that what they're doing, they're doing it for the Lord Jesus Christ. They're doing it for Christ because they love Him. Because they love Him. Think about that. We are the body of Christ. We belong to Him. He died for this body of believers right here. Let's do our part. Let's do our part. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your holy word. Thank you for meeting with us here tonight, Lord, and that you're constantly with us at all times. Thank you for the promises that you never leave us, you never forsake us, and you never have and you never will, Father. Help us to do our part, Father. Father, you know, we sing the song, Where He Leads Me, I Will Follow. Lord, if there's someone here tonight, Father, that's not following the way that they should, that they're not there where you want them to be, Father, that you would speak to their hearts. Lord, help us as a church, Father, to always strive to exalt Jesus Christ in all that we do, all that we say, Father. Convict hearts, Lord, that we would be so convicted that we couldn't say no to you in anything that you offer for us to do. But, Father, help us to be a church, Lord, who wants to see, um, to, to be a lighthouse in the community in which we live, Father. Teach us your ways. Speak to our hearts. May we grow in the grace and the knowledge of Christ. For it's in his precious name we pray. Amen.